that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people and I've played some too. And there's one thing I know, people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making? Hey, man, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, I got a good Spudcast podcast talking about my ask for you this evening. Before we talk with uh, Aaron Mishler, the uh, representative of the New Orleans Firefighters Union, the president over there, tonight we're going to talk to uh, Captain Michael Glasser, who is the president of the Police Association for New Orleans, and we're going to talk about furloughs and the possibilities of layoffs and exactly what you should be looking out for because, unfortunately, crime is on the rise, just like my blood pressure. So first, I got to listen to this. Hey, what you got going this weekend? Can't go to the game, you can't even tailgate, so what you gonna do? Go fishing! Get yourself a licensed and insured charter guide on lasaltwater.com. Super easy to follow that website. What you gonna catch? Where you wanna catch it? How you wanna catch it? All the big ones are waiting for you, and to top it off, you'll still be able to watch the game on TV at the lodge at the end of the day of fishing! Sounds great? Got an open spot for you, babe. You want in, just sign up on lasaltwater.com. Spud here for Serentine Comfort Systems. You've heard a lot of hot air out of me before. Well, now I'm talking comfortable, clean, germ-free air with the new iWave air purifier. It knocks down cooties, even COVID, from your home or business. Pathogens, allergens, particles, even smoke and odors. Wave goodbye with the iWave from Serentine. Quick install, no maintenance, 25 bucks a month. Give the gift of healthy air this year. Call Serentine Comfort Systems at 504-833-8831. 833-8831 or go to srscomfort.com. All right, so uh, the the president of Pano, who's also a police captain. So I've, I've Mike, I've had conversations with uh, Aaron Mishler of uh, of the New Orleans Firefighters Union, and uh, but boy, I, I haven't spoken to you in in a long time. I think the last time you and I spoke was on the Spudcast a couple of years ago, and I was talking to you. What's the and you told me what is the best tool of a police officer and you pulled out an ink pen and said this writing a good report is the best tool that a cop has and uh i've never forgotten that man. well I, I, I you wouldn't think about that you go are you a good shot or are you good at talking people down but literally writing a good report so that you know so that things hold up in court like they're supposed to so correct how often do they teach that in uh in cop school there mike well, it's taught, uh, although I think we probably need a little bit more attention to that. But uh, it is taught. And it's gotten better over the years. But, you know, sometimes there's no better experience, really, than having to have your cases that you make get adjudicated in court because that's where you find out what you've done. You mm-hmm. find out what the defense attorneys ask. You find out what the prosecution asks. You find out what the court's willing to accept and and it's that if you will uh pardon the pun but the trial and error is really where you learn what you've done and, and how well it's going to be accepted for prosecution that's really where where the uh rubber meets the road as they say well but frankly as of late there's been a lot of people uh you know making bail real easy uh you know not that look look because I'm I'm one of these people go there, but for the grace of God, go I. Because I read horror stories about somebody who got pulled over for a four-year-old warrant 
on a because on, of a busted taillight from a warrant from someplace else that was adjudicated and just never made it into the books. And the next thing you know, they spend a four day weekend in in uh, OPP and get beat up. I mean, one story like that is too much, and I've read more than one of those. But that being said, there's bad guys out there who need to be taken off the streets. And, uh, you know, the, the system has to work and it has to work correctly and fairly. And uh, that, that requires a lot of different pieces to all fit together into one jigsaw. Well, you know, you're never going to have a system that's 100 percent perfect, unfortunately. It's, it's something we strive for. But no. the reality of it is it's, it's unlikely we're going to get something that functions at 100 percent. I understand completely the theory behind uh, the idea of, of limiting the issue and importance of cash bail. Obviously, those individuals who are more well-off and have the ability to make bail because they have cash assets uh, certainly have an advantage. But at the same time, you have to have something in place to compel people to come to court and answer the charges in the event they are released until trial. And there isn't a better system yet that I can think of that would ensure that other than the fact that people have something to risk uh, if they don't show up. And that's the system we have. Now, should cash bail perhaps be modified to a point where it takes into into account people's assets and income so that the impact of not having a, a high salary or, or a great deal of, of assets to put as collateral make a difference? I'm sure that there's a better way of doing that perhaps. But I think eliminating cash bail is probably not the right answer either. I think that pendulum swings too far the other way. Well, and – and the fact is, like, you can also look at what's the actual charge, too. I mean, if the charge is serious enough that bail may very well be denied altogether, doesn't matter how rich you are. I mean, if, if somebody but then it also needs to be how uh, how accurate is that is that charge? And that that comes back down to the pen and the uh, and the police report. Well, a lot of it has to do with two. It's, it's primarily two issues is what kind of a threat do you pose to the public? based on the charge you have going, you know, what have you done and what is the likelihood you might do it again mm -hmm. versus also your ability to flee or the likelihood that you will return to court? You know, what ability do you have to flee the jurisdiction? What ties you here? So those are the two things that generally come into play and that have to be balanced out. I think we could probably do a better job of, of doing that, but eliminating it, I think is not the right answer either. How, 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 uh, how much say so, and I know it's probably nil because that's a DA thing. But I mean, literally, how much say so does does uh, the NOPD have when it comes to setting bail, other than the testimony in front of the judge? Well, it's not just testimony from from the arresting officer; it's the victims as well. It depends on the nature of the crime. Mm -hmm. You know, what are we talking about? If we're talking about something, but you, that, wait, 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 wait. You got you got victims of the crime are able to come in for a bail hearing too? Well, they're not, but we know what happened to them. I mean, the report reflects what happened to the victim. Uh -huh. So we kind of we have an idea, even though they don't testify. We know from the report and from what's written what happened, basically. So we kind of know what the nature of the crime is. We know what injuries or impact it's had to the victims and the likelihood of something like that reoccurring in the event they're not separated from society. I got you. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to cover with you, and I only got about 20 minutes total. So let's, let me let me get on to the next one. I'm looking at an article here uh, from not too long ago. Apparently, during uh, during uh, the riots and such, you had a sergeant in the NOPD who uh, posted things on social media, 
about the police brutality protesters. He calls them less than nice names, and he ended up getting fired for his gig. Um, a lot of people don't understand exactly what the First Amendment is. The first, you can say what you want to about a lot of stuff, and the government, unless you're unless you're spawning a riot or or something like that, uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater, the government can't mess with you. But making kinds of comments like that doesn't exactly make the rest of you guys' jobs easier. I know you're at Pano, and and y'all are supposed to to uh, be representative of the street cops out there. But, you know, did somebody smack this guy around and go, shut up. You know, that's, that's what you talk about that amongst ourselves. You don't put that on, on social media. That's an idiotic thing to do. Well, you know, the wisdom of doing that because of the penalties that are involved and because we represent the organization that we work for, even when we're off duty, unlike most people, you know, if you, uh, if I guess if you work for like FedEx or a Walgreens or something, they probably don't care. But for us, we represent the police department on duty or off duty. So we have to be cognizant of that. We do have rules that govern how we express ourselves. Yes, we have a First Amendment right to do that, but we don't have a First Amendment right to be employed. You know, so yeah. uh, just like you can refuse to have your luggage searched at the airport. Uh, they can't make you uh, submit to a search, but you're not getting on the airplane, okay? Yeah. You don't. So it's the same thing here. You can say whatever you want, but you may not end up employed when it's all said and done. So you want to exercise good judgment in that. And I don't know exactly what the sergeant said or didn't say. I don't have the details on that. Yeah, I'm, encourage I'm... our members not to engage in debate and so forth on public media because we do have some rules and regulations governing it. And, you know, nothing – really good will probably come from it. So we do discourage him from doing that. But in this particular instance, whether what he said was really terrible or not, or whether it rises to the level of, of a termination, we'll, you know, that'll be determined shortly. But uh, it is something we are cognizant of. And we try to encourage our members not to do. But if, if uh, something like this makes your job this that much more difficult, though, because, it, I mean, I think one of the – I have a very healthy respect for the police. I really do. Because you guys run to the sound of the guns. And if I'm in trouble, I need you guys to show up. But that's not across the board. There's a lot of people that don't trust you no matter what you do, you know. And you can do, you can be the most perfect cop on the planet and then one bad thing hits you in the face where you got no, no good recourse. So you pays you money and you takes your choice and you get criticized and, and harassed for it anyway, you know. So I, and I'll tell you the truth there, Mike, I tell my kids, if you are ever, ever pulled over by the police and they ask you anything beside, did you see the guy and which way did he go? You don't want to talk to you guys until you have a, uh, either me or a lawyer present, you know, and that's just, just, just the way it is. Cause you guys are trained to talk circles around people and my kids aren't, you know, so there you go. Well, and you, you know, you certainly have a right to do that. and. There's probably no downside to you doing that, uh, as best I can tell. It is something, a privilege that we all enjoy to do. And, you know, if that's, if you feel that's what should be done under the circumstances, then that, that's what you should do. You have that right. And, you know, I guess we can all relate stories of individuals that didn't do what they were supposed to do, whether it be you're, you're a doctor, whether it be at the hospital, whether it be at a store, whether it be, uh, you know, any service individual anywhere. Mm-hmm police or anywhere else, uh, you know, I think everybody has a story they can tell of something that should not have happened. That's because we're populated by people and people aren't perfect. 
They have character flaws. They have bad days. Sometimes they're just the wrong people in the wrong job, and that happens. So, you know, anything we populate is subject yeah. to having a problem. We try to minimize it as much as we can, though. Well, the opposite end of that, though, is that's why I got a healthy respect for all of you guys because, number one, y'all ain't paid the best in the world. But people keep going, well, y'all are paid to do that, and y'all are trained to do that. Well, training costs money, so get out your checkbook. Uh, the number of police on site costs money, so get out your checkbook. And that's what we're going to talk about when we get back after this break is the fact that, okay, I I don't live in Orleans Parish, so I didn't vote on anything. I didn't vote for any measures or nothing like that. But the the chief has been saying that y'all are below uh, below where you need to be, the number of officers out there on the street, period. And uh, and now there's furloughs, and then now there's a possibility of layoffs. And that's the main reason I asked you to come on here. So when we get back here, we're going to talk with Michael Glasser, president of PANO, a captain in the NOPD, about uh, how I know y'all are going to, but how are you going to deal if there are more furloughs and layoffs uh, because of what's going on right now? This is the Spudcast podcast. I'm talking out my ass with Captain uh, Michael Glasser back right after this. Spud here. You know I like to tease attorney Mike Brandner. Go big or go home. Go Mike. Mike's got the big one. And he sing that little song he has to. And Brandner laughs at the joke too because he's got a great sense of humor. He doesn't take himself too seriously. But you know what he does take seriously? His clients. When it comes to fighting in court for the interest of his clients, that's where the laughter stops and the serious work begins. He's not afraid of the insurance company lawyers because he used to be one. And now he's on your side of the aisle. And that's where you want him to be. Get the big result. Go big. Get Mike. 345-1111. If you find yourself near Metro Road or on breakfast time or lunch, you should make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. If you find yourself in Kenner at breakfast time or lunch, you should make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. Chalmette, the best bank uptown, make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. Chef Brad McGee uses fresh from the farm ingredients, makes his own corned beef, conchon delay, and a jam in a day. Custom catering, dine in and carry out or let waiter bring your sandwich straight to you. The Blue Line Sandwich Company, 2023 Metro Road, a block off of Bonneville. Call Chef Brad at 504-309-3773. Does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home? There's only one sure way to fix a flooding problem. Home Team Elevation. End the worry. Stop insurance rate hikes. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the Home Team Advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. You want design choices? On the Home Team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with Home Team Elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222. 3011222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. And we're back on the Spudcast, and we're talking with uh, Captain Michael Glasser of the NOPD, who is also the president of the Police Association of New Orleans, the union that represents the cops. And, uh, okay, so we just had a um, they just had an election this past Saturday, and the mayor was pushing for these uh, three tax initiatives that the, the citizens of New Orleans soundly defeated. Um, as a matter of, I don't know. As a matter of fact, she, she actually endorsed Kiva Landrum to be DA. And uh, Kiva did not win, and it did not win uh, big. So now she's saying, oh, everybody be patient. We got things we're going to have to start rethinking and reworking stuff out. But already, I'm, I'm going to tell you, before I spoke with, uh, with Aaron Mishler of the fire department, he's going, look, I, 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 got, I got to have my firehouses up and running. I mean, it's one thing to, to furlough people who work in, like, you know, some of the other offices, but you need firefighters out there. You need cops out there. You need EMS out there. That's that's protecting the public and that's government's first job. So what, how, how concerned is Pano in the NOPD 
with the the possibility of more furloughs and the and the possibility of layoffs coming up. But we're facing a lot of difficulties, uh, and that is on top of the ones we already have. And, and I think a lot of people aren't even necessarily aware of some of these, but we're already functioning well below where we should be. Your initial question was how many cops should we have? And, you know, we have a, a pre-COVID environment and a post-COVID environment uh, and a COVID environment. Right now we're getting by simply because a great – deal of the city is shut down or not operating to capacity. So in some ways, we are able to limp along because the city itself is limping along. But at some point, probably in the very near future, and hopefully in the near future, we're going to have vaccines and the city's going to open back up. And when it does, we're not going to be in a position to address that. We're just, we just don't have the resources. We're functioning with a, with a, a furlough, which effectively is is a 10% reduction in manpower or staffing. And it doesn't matter if you have 100% of the department working 90% of the time, which is what we have now, or you have 100% of the department working 90% of the time. The bottom line is you're reducing it by 10%. Mm-hmm. We're already under par. You know, in, in 2010, we had 1,600 police officers. Mayor Landrieu enacted a furlough back then and a hiring freeze. We dropped down to 1,200. And we have, in spite of some very vigorous recruitment efforts, we have been unable to get really much past 1,200 cops. We, we pretty much break even every year with what we hire and what we lose. We may great get a, a handful, but for the most part, for the last 10 years, we've broken even. This year, we're 44 under. We're actually upside down by 44 police officers. 44, so, 44 yeah. below the 1,200 or below the 1,600 that you want? 44 below the 1,200 we've been able to maintain, or just over 1,200. I got We're you. down to about 1,189. And of those 89, 1,189, I think 88 or so are assigned to what we call AD, the Administrative Duties Division. Those are individuals who cannot work the street for one reason or another. They may be recovering from surgery. They may be temporarily reassigned pending disciplinary investigation. They may be in military. could be a variety of things. But they're not working the street. So now we're down to about 1,100. Okay, flat, and we should be at sixteen hundred. Why? You know, why? Why should? Why so should we be at six? Below. Why should we be at sixteen hundred? I mean, is it is it a per capita thing? Is it an area thing? Who? Where? Why is sixteen hundred the magic number? Well, it's not a magic number. It's an approximate number. I mean, we we probably could have used more, but that's where we were in twenty ten, and we were barely able to hold on mm-hmm. to the crime. We're a high crime city. I don't think most people realize how badly it is because we don't advertise it that much. You hear the numbers from Chicago, and everybody goes, oh, my God, it's incredible. You know, I think the last weekend or the weekend before last, they had 67 people shot in Chicago, and everybody's like, oh, my God, 67 people over a weekend. Chicago's a big city. But understand this. They have 2.7 million people. We only have just under 400,000. If you do the math, that averages uh, per capita, that'd be about us having like seven people or eight people shot in a weekend. Well, guess what? We do. Okay. Yeah. We're not anywhere any better than they are, or any worse, depending upon you, how you look at it. We are just as violent. You just don't see that because the numbers, the gross numbers aren't that big, but per capita it is, and it's getting and trending worse. We're about ninety percent up in homicide this year, and it's getting worse. Well, I thought the, the homicides is that the magic number. Yeah, that's that's what we need now. Bear in mind the consent decree is still very restrictive on how we do things, so. While our systems have improved, 
and the way we relate to the public has improved, our crime-fighting strategy really hasn't. And that's a problem. We, we abandoned our task force concept some months ago, and now we have a critical staffing shortage on top of that. We have some problems here. Well, wait, and now, they're going to get worse if we have layoffs or additional furloughs. It's going to get worse. Well, it's going to get worse anyway because, uh, well, for instance, uh, talking about some of the money that the mayor wanted, I, I don't know. I don't know this idea about oh, we're going to send uh, you know police uh, social workers who don't have arresting power into a situation, which I mean yeah. it, that you guys aren't social workers, although you end up being part of it. I mean, the jail is not a mental health ward, although uh, it's like one of OPP is one of the biggest mental health wards in the entire state, uh, and the state police, uh, their contract, the money for their contract ends uh, the thirty first of this month. So yeah, That's correct. We you lose can... thirty-two troopers January first. Correct. So they're not they're not going to be they'll be there till midnight on uh, New Year's Eve and then they're walking or what? That's pretty much it. Uh, maybe the end of the shift. For, I, I would imagine. I don't know the exact hour, but yeah, come January first, they're gone. And ain't no money for that. Well, I, you uh, know what? No. I talked with somebody else about that a while back, and it's like <clears throat> you need more. I mean, you're paying more for the have the state troopers there than it would be to hire more police officers. But again, you got attrition rates, you got retirement. I'm reading another article here about saying a, a lot of, a lot of cops left. They came here, they got a, a pretty good training. Then they go to a, a, a different, you know, like go to some sheriff's office someplace else or, or a smaller city or something like that. And, and I mean, so the city would be much better off. It was able to actually hang on to those people. How many, I mean, can you do that? Can the city do that? Can the city go, okay, you've gone through police training and it's going to be like the military. You got to serve four years because we paid for your training. So you can't just walk out of here afterwards. You're going to have to serve four years, sign a contract and stay. Would that, would that even be feasible? Uh, you know, they've tried that uh, on paper, but the reality of it is it's a right to work state and, and you can't really, this is not the federal government with the military. It's, it's apples and oranges. You can't really do that. You can't force people to stay, and you really don't want to force people to stay who don't want to be here. Because mm -hmm. if they don't want to do this job and they don't want to be here, you don't want them doing this job, okay? Uh, it's not that kind of a job. We're not making widgets, okay? We're dealing with people's lives and people's safety, and you want people who really want to be here and have their heart in it. So you don't want to force people to be here. Now, the way you fix that is you make it so they don't want to leave, that it's really not a good idea to leave. We did that by upping the salary here and the salary here is actually pretty decent, you know, and you're not going to usually hear a union or a, or a labor mm -hmm. organization president tell you that, but, but we did, we got a good raise three years ago and we are very competitive. It isn't the money. Although now with the furlough, it's yeah, the furlough and everybody took a 10% cut, but for the most part, it isn't that it's the working conditions. It's operating under the consent decree. It's operating the way the department operates. It's the national trend and the, the defunding concept that's going on. And you may say that a lot of people are now denying that they don't want to defund the police, but we lost $11 million off our budget for, for next year, and we're on a 10% furlough. I don't know about you, but that sounds like defunding to me. Yeah, okay? that so, is defunding. Right. So we have, in fact, defunded the police, and you know our, our numbers are shrinking. And as the numbers shrink, the, the workload goes up. We're doing more with less, okay, continuously. Which, yeah, which so means that I'm not going to – I call 911, and, and there might not be somebody there to answer the phone. And if there is, uh, there might not be somebody to come to uh, that. I mean, it's like it's almost pointless. If you get in a wreck, 
there's no point in even calling you guys. Just trade information, and as long as the cars can still drive, just go on about your business because y'all ain't going to show up. You got too many other things to do. That's that's it. And look, you know, those 32 troopers were working in our our eighth district, which basically runs from uh, Calliope to Franklin Avenue. Uh, and it's just that one area, and we're losing 32 state troopers, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not replaced, okay? It's not being replaced with anything. So they're gone. So we're going to have to take up that slack as well, and now we're going to talk about laying off people or furloughing even, even more, and that's worse. And what a lot of people don't realize, too, with the fire department is they roll on EMS calls as well. If somebody gets shot, if somebody's injured, if somebody's in a, in a car wreck, you're going to see the fire department out there assisting EMS. If they're furloughed, they're not doing that either. They don't just roll on fires. They roll on medical calls too. Yeah, and I don't know. if they're not there to do that, EMS isn't there to do that. We're not there to do that. You know, we talk about saving lives and all the things we do for COVID to protect lives, but we're going to defund the very people who are there to, to solve the problems when they're on the street right, right then and there, when they're in crisis. Yeah, that's the whole point. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Well, that's I don't what, think that's a smart thing to do. Well, that's what that's what Fisher says. That's what uh, uh, Mishler, Aaron Mishler says. It's like, you know, protecting the public is your number one priority. And if you're cutting, shutting down firehouses or if you don't have enough cops in the street or you ain't got enough EMTs out there rolling on the street when somebody gets hurt, what you going to do? All right, I got about a minute left. Tell me tell me what kind of advice you're giving people for uh, for Christmas, because I just read about somebody getting carjacked at 2.30 in the afternoon in a in a grocery store parking lot. It, it, Aaron, it, uh, rather, it's happening more and more and, and more and more in daylight. And part of that has to do with the fact that while criminals may not be able to do a crossword puzzle in ink, they're not that stupid. They know when they do things that the police don't show, that the police can't chase them. And when they get caught, they're released right away and they don't spend time in jail. So there's really no deterrent for them not to do it. So they got more That's rights than I do. They do. And, and there's a problem with that. So that being said, they learn that pretty quickly. And the only thing I can say to the public right now is be very cognizant of where you are and your surroundings. Pay attention. You know, don't yeah. get involved with your cell phone and, and texting and everything else. Pay attention to where you are. And it could be anywhere. Uh, you know, the places that have traditionally been better aren't anymore. And it, the city's pretty homogenous now. Anywhere you go is, can be a problem. Yeah. So pay close attention to what you're doing. You know, be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, just keep your eyes open. And keep, uh, and yeah, just look. Just don't go anywhere alone if you can help it. But even that doesn't seem like if you got two guys with guns and there's six of y'all, guess what? They they outnumber you. Mike, I appreciate I it. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. I know how busy you are. Tell everybody uh, throwing another beat on the rosary for all you uh, first responders. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a bunch. Merry Christmas. You too, bud. So thank you very much and call whenever you want to. I will. Thanks a bunch. Spud here, and you know the first place I go when my family needs to see a doctor is Rapid Urgent Care. I mean, you're in and out of there in 40 minutes, give or take. You'll spend that much time at an ER just waiting to get triaged. From a broken ankle to a bee sting to a COVID test, Rapid Urgent Care has got you covered with clinics all over southeast Louisiana. You don't need an appointment. Just walk right in with your ID card, your insurance card, or you can sign up for their health care partnership. Rapid Urgent Care also has a telemed center just waiting for you to call. Save yourself a trip. And now Rapid Urgent Care has home visits and a mobile health unit with two complete exam rooms. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find out more and to find the clinic nearest you.
I scream, you scream, we all scream for beads and doubloons and coconuts and marching bands and walking clubs and tableaus and mask balls and mystic crews and everything else that says Mardi Gras. Keep Mardi Gras what it's always been, a family event before Lent. If you want to help keep traditions alive, go to MardiGrasAlliance.com and join the growing group of businesses, citizens, and carnival entities that want to keep Mardi Gras a safe and happy event without it being regulated to death. Go to MardiGrasAlliance.com and laissez les bon temps rouler. All right. So, uh, Captain Michael Glasser, uh, the president of Pando, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. I appreciate all you guys tuning in. Please heed his advice and keep your eyes open when you're out and about uh, this holiday season. Okay? So, uh, there you go. I, I can't give any more advice than that. You should do that all the time, man. Situational awareness. Know what's going on around you. And there it is. All right. Uh, so... Thanks for joining me here on the Spikecast podcast, talking out my ask. I've got uh, national platforms you can find this show on, Red Circle, Spotify, Google. And all you uh, local folks, listen to me on my Facebook pages, Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell, and The Big Teasy. And you can find me on Twitter at SpudGotDat, at SpudGotDat. If you want to send me a, an email or uh, something, a message, or you want to get on an email list and I'll mail the show directly to you, thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com. Thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow with uh, Mike Well Done for more newsmakers and ball breakers. Y'all watch out for the crazies, but I am a gone pecan.